Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we've got a cool guest sitting in our space. This man's hanging out on our couch. He does a lot of things. His name is Adam. One of the things he does is RMT, a registered massage therapist. But I'll let him speak about all the other stuff he's got going on. A lot of big words that I'll probably mispronounce. And then we have Amanda in our space too. She's not holding a microphone, but she's sporting a headset with a microphone on it so that's good <laughs> enough for me why don't uh why don't you guys throw it out to the masses let them know about yourselves all right well i'm amanda registered massage therapist in toronto and i'm pretty excited to have adam here it's adam levins he's going to introduce himself as mark said he's got a lot of letters behind his name he does a lot of cool things and uh, we really wanted to get adam in here because we love sitting down with other like-minded therapists and we seem to have a lot in common when it comes to treatment philosophy and the fact that we're all educators. So Adam, thank you so much for coming in today. Oh, it's awesome to be here. It's nice to catch up with you guys again. Yeah, we met uh, six years ago. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> seems, seems like a lifetime. Yeah, I'll give you the background to that. So back when uh, the other half of what we do at Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone is our continuing education company called Conant Institute. And back when we first developed our RMT business seminar, we had the, uh, the pleasure of having this young man sit into our space and uh, we've been in somewhat contact ever since and so you were originally you had your your own clinic in midtown toronto I had my own clinic you know why don't why don't you give us the, the roll through of your massage therapy career and and then the addition to all of these things that i probably can't say very well. <laughs> okay cool yeah so my name's adam levens i'm a registered massage therapist uh next month i'll be going into my 15th year which doesn't make me young anymore so i feel like i'm <laughs> Getting to be an old man. I guess something else that I am is I'm a anatomy trained structural integrator. So that's under Tom Myers of Anatomy Trains. Right. I went and spent um, probably about 600 hours training with him, mentoring from him, which is really cool. Going down the states and spending a lot of time with him. So that was awesome. Um, something else that I have after my name is FAF. So I'm a fellow of Applied Functional Science, which sounds really fancy, but just basically I would say. I'm a bit of a movement specialist, so I started with um, Gary Gray at the Gray Institute uh, down in the States as well. That was another 500 hours of functional training and looking at that. So I just put those things after my name because I feel like those are the people that have influenced me the most. Right. And so I just want to give respect to those those people because it's really just initials and it's just a bunch of like long words and things <laughs> like that, right? So yeah, so my practice has been in Midtown Toronto ever since I became registered. Been there for 14 years in the exact same building. Gone through a bit of transition, but basically I had my own clinic for 10 years. And then Mayo Detox um, in Toronto, they approached me and just asked me to join them, become an educator, help to train their new therapists as they onboard into the company. And so now we have five locations in Toronto, two in Vancouver and West Hollywood is opening up next month. Cool. Can you give us the background to Mayo Detox? Because I see a lot of the stuff yeah. you guys do on social media. Yeah, you guys are it everywhere. It seems really fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, the backstory of, of Mayo is um, the creator is, is um, Vin, Vinny Rehab or Vin Pham. He's a PT. So he was doing the traditional PT route for like five years or so. And then just realized that he didn't really like that model. Just right. like people coming in 15, 20 minutes, slapping IFC on them. Giving them heat, giving them some exercises. Cool. See you later. <laughs> see you uh, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. See you tomorrow. See you in a couple of days. Um, and he was like super successful at that. You know, it's really easy if you're if you're like personable and you can kind of make people feel a little bit better. But 
he just got fed up with that and he just realized that he wanted to do something i guess different he hated the model of what pt was and still is for the most part times yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, depending on what clinics you go to people are getting a little bit better with expanding how they approach the body but there's still a lot of people just kind of doing the old stuff ultrasound and heat and here's some stretches stuff that people can do mostly at home so he basically started with like trigger point therapy looking at the body as a whole went and trained with like tom myers same as same as myself he's a constant student just sucking up information and just wanting to learn more and more about the body you know myo detox is like we kind of make we're trying to make rehab cool I guess we have like, we have a brand manager. We have like a brand that we're trying to push Yeah, as like a wellness company. Um, and it's opened up a lot of doors for us to expand into different areas of North America and just going to keep it rolling really. What kind of, what kind of doors is open? You no, know, we've done activations with, um, Samsung. We've done activations with Nike. We've done Jordan brand, Lululemon. We're constantly working with them. Equinox been a really big player in, in what we've been trying to accomplish. Um, Soul Cycle as well. We've done some activations with them. Just like as a brand, we get out and we get to work with some of these like billion dollar companies, which is really cool for like a little clinic that kind of just started as one location in, in Toronto about four years ago. Yeah, but that's the cool thing about it. I, I I love what you guys do because we're not looking at each other now as therapists. You know what I mean? You're you're kind of taking on the whole the whole business side of it, which is so important. I mean, yeah, you can have your clinic and you know you do what you do, and you're a mom and pop joint. Uh, you know, but you'll only go so far. And I think that's a huge, we've talked about this before when we talk about our business stuff, how therapists, if you, if you can't get out of the mindset as I'm a therapist versus I've got some sort of organization, I've got a company here and I'm looking for growth. You're just stuck in that, that spot unless Mm -hmm. you're able to branch out and brand and stuff like that. One of our philosophies is we just believe that probably in like five or 10 years, depending, but we're trying to really change this industry that it doesn't matter what professional you go to see whether you see a massage therapist, a physio, or a chiro, and that's how we treat everyone at our clinics. Everyone gets paid the same. Uh, we don't push people into like certain... You don't go to a chiro to be adjusted or a physio to get exercises or a massage therapist to get soft tissue. Right. Obviously, chiros can adjust, but generally you get a full understanding from each practitioner. They can do everything. They can do the exercises, the rehab. They can do the soft tissue work. You know, They can look at the body. They can do movement assessments. And understand biomechanics so we're trying to like really create a group of like elite therapists that kind of do it all i think those therapists that really excel are willing to get outside their boundaries of what their profession is mm-hmm. you know we do a lot of courses we've done some stuff in new york and la we were in melbourne last month teaching in australia and sometimes personal trainers come and hang out with our courses right. they can't do manual therapy but they want to learn about movement Wish you know we have should. a lot of we have a lot of students that come they're still in school and some of them were like 21 years old. I was like, oh my gosh, if I was 21 or 22 and I was hearing some of the stuff, not that, you know, we're basically a, a product of what we've learned out there from from our mentors and yep. things that we've learned. So we're just kind of taking bits and pieces of that information and trying to share with the next generation to be better. Just want to make people better. Right on. Yeah. So what came first with you? Uh, Myo Detox or that thirst for learning everything else um i'd say the thirst the thirst you know when i first started massage therapy in i guess 2004 god it's so long ago was uh i did traditional massage therapy you know like sheets and and the lotion and um single room um thinking i was working with patterns 
I really wasn't interested in the relaxation stuff. I did have some clients that just wanted that, so it was okay. But I was always clinically minded. I always wanted to solve problems. That's kind of where my brain goes when I work with people. And so I did that for like probably seven or eight years, and I built a really busy client base. Mm -hmm. Really, really busy. I built up a, a clinic uh, with other practitioners in it. I don't know what happened. I've had a few of these moments in my life where I just kind of look inward and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm actually not helping any of these people in the way that they actually need help. So, you know, people were booking a year out because they wanted every second Wednesday at 6.30 or like, so I had a bunch of those people that just basically, they come in for maintenance. So after doing a couple of years of that, I was like, why aren't these people, why are these people always coming back? You know, we get them to the point of like four weeks, six weeks, two weeks, whatever it is, right? But why can't I help them just not see me? I don't want to see them regularly. It's good for my bank account to like have all these ongoing clients, but I actually felt like really sick that day because I was like, I've been stealing these people's money for so long. Yeah. So that really just made me think like I need to change what I'm doing and I need to go and learn from some people that are just know way more than than I do. And one thing that I I believe in is like looking at the body as a global picture mm -hmm. instead of trying to isolate out things and just looking at like a shoulder is like a shoulder injury. It can relate to anything in the body. If you understand the patterns of it and you understand biomechanics and you understand how posture or alignment, it's a charged word right now, <laughs> can like play a role in those patterns. And so I've just dedicated I guess the last six years to traveling and taking courses. Um, that's that's what it's been about since since then. Yeah. Can I ask a baseline question that might be might sound a little bit stupid? If somebody has never heard of myodetox, even though as I said you're everywhere, what is sort of the easiest way to explain to somebody what you do as a myodetox therapist versus just a Massage therapist, as you said, doing traditional massage therapy. So, you know, as a massage therapist, physio, chiro, we all treat very similar. So you're always going to get a very similar experience. And that's what our brand is all about, is, okay. that, is that similar experience. But basically, I guess it'd be the easiest way to explain what would happen when someone comes in. So when someone comes in, we're looking at a global picture. So we look at how their body is in space, where their proprioception is, where their center of mass might be for them like are they heavier into one side than the other are they tipped more forward towards their toes you know we want to see like the big picture we want to assess joints through the whole picture as opposed to just looking at oh your shoulder hurts cool let's do some range of motion of your shoulder like let's see how your hips are moving let's see how your t-spine's moving so it's a much you know? more in-depth assessment yeah than you would typically do okay. right and it's because those clients that are coming to us, they have clothes on. Mm -hmm. So when we treat them, we can treat them. We can do 10 minutes of work. We can stand them back up. We can see, does our work actually influence any change in their body? We're obviously just affecting the, the nervous system. Ultimately, we're giving like a mechanical input of some type or maybe an external input of like movement. And we're seeing, does that nervous system like that? Does it change how your body's perceiving where it is, how it moves, your pain? And then we could put them back on the table and say, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try this. Or that did work, so let's keep going along okay. that path. How long is an assessment typically, or does it really vary? It'll obviously vary on like the person mm -hmm. and the, the issues that those people are coming in with, but we always set aside an hour. Okay. Yeah. An hour just to assess An hour the is, the, is the assessment. Okay. And usually we'll do a treatment 
and then we'll come up with some exercises and a treatment plan. So everyone kind of walks out with like this little sheet of paper that we have that's just like, these are our findings. These are what we want to work on. This is kind of like what I recommend, you know, six sessions over 10 weeks or whatever it is. And these are the goals we're going to try to achieve with you. Try to get you back to what it is you really want to do in your life. If it's like that debilitating, you know, some people will come in and have a woman in now. She's been trying to get help for like three years and she literally just wants to get back to exercising. Like she just wants to move her body and she can't. And so it's going to be a little bit longer with her. Um, and every time she comes in, I'm, I'm constantly trying to reassess and see if things have changed and what we're, what we're doing with her. But but generally in that first hour, you're going to kind of get a full experience as to like what the next sessions are going to be like. Sometimes my answers are super long, but <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's all right. No, it was good because I mean, like if I break down the word, I understand what myo detox means, I guess. But yeah. I was trying to look at it exactly how you said, like from a patient perspective, like what do I expect? Like how are you different than a massage therapist or a physio or a chiro? So, I mean, you're all still doing what you're specialty is sort of but mm -hmm. in a more um cohesive way does that make yeah. sense yeah most of our soft tissue work is based on fascial work okay but we're not doing massage okay in the way of like the rhythmical flowing oil massage we're using like wax so it's a little bit more sticky okay so we're influencing a little bit more drag um on the tissue which is more influenced from the rolfing or the structural integration side of body work okay yeah so you're trying to influence more of the fascial system and giving people a different sensation of kind of where they are in space, which sounds really woo-woo when I say that. But, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you've ever seen a structural integrator or a rolfer, you generally know what I'm talking about. I have, about. actually. Okay. Yeah, I have. Yeah. So what's, the, um, what's your typical clientele like at Myo Detox? I don't know if there is. I, I'd probably say that our earlier, like probably two years ago, was younger, really younger crowd just because of how much influence we have on Instagram. We kind of like had a big portion of that self like rehab type of things. Now there's like tons of people out there that are yeah. giving like amazing content and really helpful stuff. Some people are still misguided on certain things and some people would imply that I might be misguided on, mm -hmm. certain, what, on certain things. But what are, what are you misguided on according to people? That posture plays a role in pain and in movement. I would say. How are you misguided on that, sir? <laughs> it's like a very loaded question. <laughs> I don't know if I am misguided. Um, no, I, guess, I know you're I guess, not misguided, yeah. but why would people think you are misguided on this? Yeah, people think that because they think they put a little too much value in research. And so I think there's a spectrum. I think you can be 100% clinical, which some people are like, it only has to be research-based. If it's not research-based, I'm not going to use it. And I think that that is a deductive type way of thinking about the body because ultimately that person that's coming in they might benefit from something that you've just written off because the research today right shows that your pain might not even have a contributing factor to how your body is positioned in space or how it moves from that position right? well before we get into that, let's just talk about research for a second. Research. Um, my problem with everybody coming back to, well, where's the research? Where's the research? One, there isn't enough research. We know that. Uh, two, 
just because there's never going to there's be never going to be i mean you can research, research forever for massage therapy <laughs> why because in the united states i can be a licensed massage therapist with 500 a minimum of 500 hours of instruction mm-hmm. okay in canada i can go to a private career college or a community college and obtain my massage therapy diploma. And none of this is lined up. Anyone that is at the research level, right? We don't have a ton of RMTs that are doing that postdoc are work. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that have access to doing or the interest in doing research around uh, massage therapy. Okay, well, forget massage therapy. Just any type of body work in general, like any type of manual therapy. There isn't enough research. Fine. For whatever reason. But even though there's research that exists that might indicate that posture doesn't directly cause pain, okay? Postural dysfunction doesn't directly cause pain. I can get on board with that, definitely. I'm not disagreeing with that. But there's, there's two problems. One, you can find research to support anything you want, right? I can go and find research. You know, as you said, there might not be research to support what you're doing, but there is. It's called physics, number one. Um... But you can find research to support any claim that you want, right? You tend to gravitate towards things that are already match your own belief system. So sure, these these people who are telling you that, um, you know, what you're saying doesn't support the current research, okay, the current research that you are reading, there is research to support that posture and pain are related. Um, but the other, the other problem with the research is we kind of did talk off mic. Some of these studies are not that current. So maybe yeah. we need to start thinking about looking at some more current research before we completely dismiss something that to me makes a lot of sense. Faulty posture, poor yeah. biomechanics. It's going to affect your body somehow, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just as... Just as therapists, you know, a lot of people come in and we're stuck at this sitting position all day. And like, why do people's backs hurt so much? Maybe it's because they're stuck in that position. Maybe it's because as they slouch, their muscles start to eccentrically lengthen in their back. And we know that like, if you're trying to sustain an eccentric load for a very long time from a position that's not neutral or more stacked, that those muscles are just going to be under more load. So Mm -hmm. muscles are going to fatigue over time. And the body's going to find a way to compensate and to hold you in that pattern for as long as it can. You might actually get stuck in that pattern. A lot of people get thoracic spines that don't know how to move into extension. And it doesn't necessarily cause pain, but it's still a dysfunction. It's still something that as therapists, we shouldn't be ignoring. If your thoracic spine cannot move into extension, why is that not a problem? Yeah, and if you have a T-spine that's, let's just say, even stuck in neutral or stuck in slight flexion, What's that going to do to your C-spine that your head needs to be upright? It's going to mm-hmm. usually push your head forward. Right. And, and there is actually research that shows that as your head inches forward and as the angle of your cervical spine degrees start to change, your head gets heavier and heavier and heavier, right? So even if you're off like a little bit, it's going to weigh, it usually weighs 10 to 12 pounds. And then as it goes forward, exactly. 20 pounds, a little bit more. That's forward. just, that's just basic physics, yeah. right? If I increase the, the length of the resistance arm, it's going to cause the, the, the muscles to have to now increase the amount of force to produce, to balance out the lever. That's just, that's just physics. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yes, yeah. it is. And it puts a lot of load on that tissue. And over time, if I just said, hey, go and hold this five pound weight out in front of you a little bit. 
you'd probably be like, okay, but after an hour you'd or even less, you'd probably start to complain about it. And if I said, well, you need to hold it there all the time, <laughs> all day, then you would, your body would start to scream at you. Yeah. And yeah, as you said, even if, even if there was no research to support this, how are we ignoring um, anecdotal evidence? How are we ignoring our clients who are coming in, as you said, all hunched over and who have these issues and they're in pain? Yeah. I don't know how I would approach someone actually, if they came in and, and they were kind of stuck in that position and I couldn't approach them from like a let's just see if we can line your body up a little bit better Mm -hmm. approach what are the exercises I would give them like would I not want to get them back into a neutral more aligned position right as soon as our body and any part of it starts to move away from our center line that's going to dictate how the tissues are going to end up being positioned either short or long either like loaded concentrically or eccentrically or econcentrically you know you can have both of the same time depending on what plane of motion you're looking in right um it's going to add in different compensations through the body the body's going to do the best it can with what it's given and the nervous system is super refined right but it can only handle so much okay so you've obviously dedicated um your career, at least the last few years, to focusing on, as you said, this sort of um, global approach to the body, right? You're looking at people's um, uh, proprioception, their body in space, the way they move. Like you said, you're a movement specialist. Um, So obviously, the nervous system is a big focus for you. Talk to us a little bit about then your courses. What what are you teaching therapists? So I I have a course that's upcoming in October in Toronto at Settle and Chan. And that course is a lower body course. So basically we're going to spend two days looking at some postural, common postural things we might notice in people, you know, pelvis being really shifted forward, anterior, like excessive anterior pelvic tilt, or like someone being stuck in posterior pelvic tilt, hip hike, feet that don't know how to supinate or pronate. These types of patterns that with some soft tissue work can kind of start to allow those joints and those bones to become a little bit more aligned, if you will, from more of a structural integration point of view. And then we'll look at the biomechanics of the body, understand like in the foot, the calcaneus needs to, you know, plantar flex, ever, and internally rotate when it hits the ground. And so if that doesn't happen, if you don't get eversion in that rear foot, you're probably not going to get too much movement through the forefoot or the midfoot. Mm-hmm. Also, with you, if you lack internal rotation, you're not going to get that tibia to rotate inwards, and then your femur's not going to rotate inwards or adduct with the valgus movement of the knee, right? So it's a chain reaction. Look right. at the chain reaction. And the reason why chain reaction is important is because we know that muscles respond to joint movement, right? Like joints act, muscles react type of thing. As soon as our foot hits the ground, it slams into the ground, it starts to collapse. What decelerates that? is our muscles probably some fascia feedback as well plantar fascia Um, and as those joints continue to collapse our body is so refined now that it can decelerate that it knows okay these muscles in this sequence i should be firing but if you're lacking that then joints don't move then muscles don't know they should be decelerating you or that Mm -hmm. they should be firing if they can't decelerate and lengthen then they can't get maximal force. So if you are lacking calcaneal eversion and then you don't have that knee internal rotation, your hip doesn't internally rotate, as you're moving forward, your glute isn't going to turn on 
as well because it's not being cued by the bone movement to actually control you. So maybe you start to use your quad more. And this is all unconscious, but it just makes sense that from looking, if we think about like an infant, when it's learning to walk, it's going to stand, it's like unbalanced, it falls over, tries to take a step, right? The body is I watch my baby do this every day. Okay, (laughs) perfect. So we know that over time, our body becomes super refined, our nervous system knows what it should be doing. You know, perfect movement and perfect alignment is pre-programmed in the body. You watch a kid squat that is like amazing right but like right down to the ground and we lose that over time we also lose our mechanics and our joint movement maybe because of shoes or someone was told to wear orthotics injuries pain you start to load your body differently you know you can take away the pain and you can take away the orthotics but the nervous system still is on that same loop so you have to go in and teach the nervous system to go back to its old healthy way just because you remove the block doesn't mean the software knows how to like pick right, things right, right back up. So my course is basically an accumulation of the courses I've taken, the people I've studied with. It's looking at, yeah, the posture, how that could play a role further up the chain or even down, looking at biomechanics. We'll look at different types of fascial stretching. I've taken some courses with um, Robert Schleip, um, fascial fitness. And so just a little bit of a different way of moving the body, stretching the body, understanding how to treat someone holistically instead of getting caught up in like where their symptoms might be. Right, right. Symptoms are just a reaction to yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I tell my clients that as well. Like pain is pain is probably the last symptom. You know, by the time you're experiencing pain, your body has been doing these things in this way and behaving this way for a very long time. Yeah. It's yeah. the last it's usually the last compensation. Yeah. Saying that if you like twist your ankle and you get pain or you fall and you, you know, break your arm or, you know, you are doing some sport and you pull a muscle, why did you pull that muscle? Was it just because you overloaded it? Maybe your biomechanics are off or something like that. But I guess you just need to learn that look a little bit lo- more globally i think to treat locally an approach i have i like that look globally to treat locally okay and this is why i love athletics because to me athletics has it right right athletics is all about proper mechanics proper technique instilling all those things to get the motor skill to be the most fine-tuned and so a lot of the times i don't understand why therapy doesn't look towards what athletics does and just kind of mimic it at least a little bit i think also some people have it a little mixed up you know when we look at when we look at movement of the body and then we look at training that people offer for strengthening or for activation of muscles, what I usually find with people that have been given certain exercises, they don't really match up to like what it is that person's actually doing. So someone wants to say, let's get your glutes firing. Cool. What are like some typical exercises which I find all the time? You know, band walks. So you're doing more concentrics. So you're doing a little bit of eccentric there too, but you're doing more concentric abduction or just saying laying on your side and just kind of like doing some clamshells yeah yeah yeah. cool you're teaching that muscle to basically fire but when do you ever walk around with your knees like way out from your body or your (laughs) hips maximally externally rotated you're not teaching your glute to do anything when you stand up and walk there's very little correlation between clamshells and walking. Right. So, so the exercises how, are not functional. Yeah, usually. Yeah. And so for some reason, they might be working, right? Obviously, like just adding load to that tissue is being helpful. But I just think there's better ways to understand how the body moves and to 
treat a little more functional. You know, so a lot of times when people are coming in and we're finding maybe the glute isn't loading, if a lot of people come and say my glutes are lazy, then I have to look at their chain reaction. I have to make sure all their joints are sequencing properly so that we are getting that hip adduction and hip internal rotation. And those glutes can maximally lengthen so they can get maximal contraction and then teach the body how to use that instead of, okay, well, let's just keep doing bird dogs and let's keep doing clamshells and let's keep doing our banded work Mm -hmm. on the ground you know so i feel like there's a big disparity between what people are giving them if they really understood how the body is actually working in movement it's very different it's not a whole concentrically based system it's very eccentrically based it's a lot about deceleration of motion and when you get that deceleration is then where you get that explosion phase do you think that a lot of therapists that don't practice like this is because they're lazy or because they just don't know (laughs) Well, I think I think they just don't know. I think they just don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to find people who talk a lot about deceleration and talk a lot about chain reaction and talk a lot about how this can influence that and you know, how maybe your your foot actually is influencing your inability of your shoulder to to work well. Right. And it's not the way we're taught in school. At least I know I wasn't when you study massage therapy, you're not taught this way yeah so unless like adam you've realized okay there's there's a piece i'm missing you know i'm treating these people and they're coming back over and over and over again why am i not helping them unless you've realized that and you've gone and taken other courses i don't, I don't think anybody's lazy i think they don't know yeah there's lots of amazing information out there that you can find for free you know just get on instagram and, and following some people and really questioning you know every couple of years i really question what I'm doing and like, is this actually make sense? Is this like useful to me? Um, is this useful to my clients? Have I just been taught something from someone who has taught something from someone else? You know, which is traditional schooling, traditional PT, traditional Cairo. It takes a long time to change those curriculums, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, we're talking about research-based practice, but I think even in, in school, they're still being taught from the teacher's who were taught by someone else from a long time ago and the curriculum hasn't hasn't maybe caught up. So, you know, school is a great starting point, but you really need to, if you really want to understand the body and get into like a real way of treating someone holistically, you need to go and, and find those people who are pretty much ranting against the big machine, mm-hmm. saying that like research is the only way. Well, I I like that you said holistic because, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, you might have an idea that um, this conversation came about because uh, the focus really seems to be on this biopsychosocial model of pain, which none of us in this room actually disagree with, right? We do believe there is room for this research. Yes? Yeah. Yes. the problem we're having is that we feel like there's a few too many therapists who are now ignoring the biomechanics of the body. We're now ignoring just the basic physics because there's research that says posture does not cause pain. But what Adam is trying to do through his courses is show you that you know posture and biomechanics, each part of your body is is a chain reaction. Everything is affecting another part of your body. And whether or not that's directly influencing pain, it is making your body perform differently. It is it is making you move in space differently. And if that's the case, if your body is going to be behaving differently, then there is a need to 
to look at that and make sure that our bodies are doing what they're intended to be doing and that our nervous system is functioning the way it is intended to function. Am I right in saying that? So far, so good. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> I mean, what else can you say? <laughs> Sum it up nicely. I like to summarize because I feel like we can sit here and talk all day, but I want people to understand that uh, we don't we don't disagree with any new research. We actually believe there should be more research, lots of research, but let's not ignore some basic foundational knowledge that we have. Yeah. yeah. So, sir, how do we uh, get in touch with you to take your courses to find out a little bit more about what you do at Myo Detox? Give us, give us your contact info and give us uh, the info for that course that's coming up in October in Toronto. Sure. Well, it's on October 20th, 21st, I'm pretty sure. It's at Settlin' Chan. So, I mean, you just go to SettlinChan.com and go to their Con Ed uh, courses and check it out there. Um, if you have any questions, you can obviously, you can find me on Instagram and you can just shoot me a DM, um, Adam double underscore rehab reach me out that way um yeah adam at myodetox.com is my email address those would probably be the ways to get in touch with me with questions or kind of like looking into what we're doing also myodetoxu um is another site so you know i teach a lot with with Vinny, one of my colleagues um we have different courses that sometimes we run in toronto sometimes we're running kind of like all over the world like as i said earlier we were in melbourne a couple of weeks ago and vancouver and new york what were, you, what were you teaching in melbourne we were teaching um our movement course so it's a two-day movement course basically looking at a little bit of like how the body's positioned in space but more about joints how they act how muscles are reacting to that um we're influenced by gary ward who is um does anatomy in motion so some people might know of anatomy in motion but it's about using influencing the feet to make changes up the chain uh, it's pretty crazy stuff but they use little wedges and they've mapped out the entire body and um, it's pretty it's pretty cool if you haven't experienced that or, or heard about it it's pretty neat stuff so do a little bit of that and then some fascial stretching and kind of global movement assessment trying to give people like digestible things that they can implement into their practice like really quickly and, and understand that this whole concentric staying neutral is not the best. You know, if you don't train outside of neutral, you know, oh, do this, hold here, don't let this knee do that. You're actually just setting that person up to be hurt because when they move, they're not going to be thinking about that. When someone plants and goes for a kick, they're not going to be, if you didn't train them for planting and twisting and you just train them for keeping that knee over their second toe, mm -hmm. then you are asking for them to like blow out their ACL, right? It's just going to be very easy for them to do that. So just trying to get away from that, oh, everything needs to be in neutral and that whole sagittal plane and that whole concentric idea of movement. Interesting stuff. I love it because, you know, in just going by the participants that we typically have at our courses, we have a mix of massage therapists, kinesiologists, some personal trainers here and there. And, you know, massage therapists, awesome manual skills, horrible, sorry, massage therapists, horrible at understanding movement, horrible. Yeah. And kinesiologists are the, the reverse, actually. It's actually really funny. But they're great at understanding movement, but horrible manual skills. Sorry, kinesiologists. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> we just weren't taught that. We weren't taught that in school. I know. You know, it's we were taught. And even I remember back in school, and, and hopefully it's changed, but 
you know, people would come in in clinic and we wouldn't even have them put it on shorts or anything. So we'd be trying to assess them through clothes and yeah. just yeah, like, this yeah. isn't real, this isn't real life or it shouldn't be. I mean, if you're assessing people through clothes, it's, you should, and you want to change and kind of see what the whole body's doing, then you should probably just say, bring in a pair of shorts or bring in some workout gear that I can kind of just see where you are in space. Um, sheets I find are very limiting. Mm-hmm. I find that that puts a really, a really big, um, restriction on the ability to work with someone you know when i had to do that and i did that for a very long time you can really only reassess at the end you know so did you waste your whole hour on the table treating that person and then they get up and they're like oh yeah i guess i feel a little bit better but like you could have done so much more if you had been able to kind of get them off reassess them move them just understand some basic movement assessments seeing where they're blocked knowing that like it doesn't really matter if you understand all the biomechanics but at least knowing that like oh if this hip doesn't know how to translate over to the right that that should happen in the body right for just yeah. doing a little like hip shift from side to side and you see that that's blocked and maybe something in their shoulder is bothering them that guaranteed that they just need more motion there yeah, yeah. so it's just about giving the body more motion and usually when you give the body more motion the joints ability to like move then the muscles fall into place like really really quickly that's kind of why i asked you about the typical or the demographics of people that come in because that's a that's kind of a a sell job to be like hey you're coming in for you know massage work or manual therapy work i know you guys don't put into the classification of like massage or physio or chiro but that's kind of a, a a sell job to be like nope you're keeping your clothes on and we're not using you know biotome lotion or whatever yeah that's not people's understanding of what massage therapy is right so there's probably some people who have who would be i guess reluctant to to come in and do that type of therapy i I would say to that that you know anyone that's taken my my courses or anyone that's come and done some mentoring with me is is usually and i had to do this a couple times but after that eight years i lost i'm probably gonna say honestly like 85 to 90 percent of my clientele right and I was pretty much fine with that because I knew that I was going to be doing better work and work that I was more interested in doing. And so I'm not afraid to like take those risks. Some people might be and they're super comfortable and, and they can't. But I've always been someone to advocate for those people who are kind of like, I'm not sure or people expect this is to like be the therapist that you want to be mm-hmm. and that though you're going you're gonna to become very different than most therapists. So know when people come in to see me and they're being treated by me they're like this isn't a massage exactly this is like you're like trying to figure out my whole pattern and like this is like physio rehab with manual therapy and movement like i don't even know what it is you're really doing but um and that's one thing that our brand is about is to like blur those lines between everybody so they don't have those expectations so to say this is what i want to do I want to you could I want to treat you now in shorts and I want to spend like 5 minutes of just like really looking at you and trying to learn how your body's positioned or I want to take you through this movement assessment. And if someone's going to like poo-poo you on that one and be like, "Oh, I just want to like get on the table," you know, people walk in then the door. Then you're not the therapist for them and that's yeah. that's fine, right? Yeah. You don't want to work with people who are not on board with what you do and yeah. That's okay. Yeah. And you'll get twice as many clients doing the work that you are passionate about For sure. and that Absolutely. you become really, really good at because those people are going to start referring to you because they've never had an experience like that or they've never had the help that 
those five previous people did because all they did was like lay you down and work on your back and neck. But really what you needed was your pecs open and some serratus work and someone to work on like the front of your scalenes and SCM to like allow you to feel what it's like to be a little more upright yeah. and to move into a little bit more extension and not get so stuck and tethered down in the front when our symptoms are just in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's, I like the fact that you are okay with losing some of your clients. Cause yeah, there's going to be people that are not on board with this type of therapy because massage therapy itself is still something that people think of as, you know, like a luxury at times, right? It's a, it's to relax. So there's going to be people who want to go see the therapist who's going to let them get on the table under the sheet and that's fine. And then there's going to be somebody who thinks what you're doing just makes a lot of fucking sense for what they need and to help correct their body and, and their posture. I have, a, I have a pretty strong opinion about like massage therapy in general. And I, I kind of think that if we want to be taken seriously as a profession, that we need to stop thinking that relaxation massage is an actual treatment for pain. It can be, and I'm sure there's a lot of benefit to it. But if we really want to be taken seriously by the doctors and the physios and the chiros of the world uh, and the people that are leading the research that I feel like our program needs to get longer. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to really turn into like a three or four year program for massage therapy. I feel or at like, least some prerequisites. Yeah. Like it shouldn't be that you don't need any post-secondary education. Yeah. Right? And I feel like we shouldn't be working in spas as a regulated health care professional we shouldn't be doing spa treatments i'm gonna get shit on a lot this is i mean this is a whole other conversation and yeah, i don't know if you'll i mean i don't know if you'll get shit on but a whole bunch of people that feel the kind of the same way and i think that we had andrew from the rmtao i was in just here. gonna bring that up yeah yeah and we kind of i can't remember how we brought it up it, with it, him. the whole idea when we had andrew the conversation was that there are therapists who work in spas and there are therapists who work in clinics and there, you know, we, there's all different types of massage therapists. But the idea was that we should all still be speaking clinically. Even if somebody comes in and says, I want to relax, there is still a clinical way to have a conversation and provide a treatment because relaxation is still important to your health and wellness. And sure, sure we can provide a treatment to help you de-stress or relax or, you know, decrease your sympathetic nervous system. We can do all of that, but still be clinical, not just like, okay, get on the table and, you know, I'll, I'll rub oil on you for an hour. Yeah. So maybe I think that those people who are interested in just doing that relaxation work and that kind of thing, that you take a year and a half program but you're not actually a regulated healthcare professional. You know, so you can just do that work, but you're well trained and hopefully you're well paid for it. I would definitely say that the training, the being well trained well trained should still be a priority because even to induce relaxation, like you should have an idea of I, I mean, shouldn't shouldn't just have an idea. You should still be an expert in anatomy and physiology and actually understand what you're affecting when you're manipulating soft tissues and joints. So just because you're trying to help the person relax, it should still be a clinical treatment. And there's, I think there still should be some form of assessment, even if it's not necessarily this in-depth one-hour movement assessment that you do as a myodetox therapist. It should still be a clinical type of, I mean, like I said, I'm I'm with you in the sense that I'd, I don't really enjoy just doing relaxation treatments. But if I have clients who want to come in and chill and relax, I'm more than happy to help them help them do that. You know, my opinion sounds very strong. 
because I'm really far, I think, to the right on that. Yeah. But um, I just feel like there should be maybe what you're suggesting. There should be some change, I think, in just the profession if we really want to be taken a little bit more seriously um, from like a clinical point of view. So I'm not like discounting. Maybe it sounds like I'm discounting, but like I think there just needs to be a, a philosophy change in like in how maybe it is we conduct ourselves. Like how it's it's definitely talk. us. It's it's us. It's not the public. The public has no idea. They know what we're allowing them to know. So if the public views massage therapy as a service, as a luxury, as a you know a relaxation treatment, and we're continuing to perpetuate that by allowing people to come in and say, "I want a relaxation massage," and we don't do anything clinical, then yeah, we're allowing that to happen. Right. So it is it is on us to show people that we are clinical this is this is part of healthcare this is not you know just a service because i mean anybody can do massage right how did we get so off topic uh, how did it you know happen? anyone can do massage <laughs> and almost anyone can fucking pass the licensing exam and that's a whole other fucking story right so you want to you want to get taken a little a little bit more seriously yeah it's going to come down to the education from the ground level up even though that's really just kind of baseline education but i mean when even when you look at regulated healthcare professionals how many how many of on that massive list if we're just looking at it from you know an educational hierarchy level how many of them are coming from private career colleges not many what us massage therapists and dental hygienists right any more on that list that i can think of offhand no, no not really no i mean i really haven't studied schedule two of the rhpa in a very long time but <laughs> can you imagine a world be. where massage therapy is a university degree and you can go into like the spa relaxation stream. You can go into this like orthopedic assessment and manual practitioner street. Like you can do similar to when we did our kinesiology degrees. You know, you could go into an athletic therapy stream. You can take it the whole other way and go into like a sports psychology stream. Can you imagine that world? Yeah, I think I think the first point I, I agree with you completely. Just need to up our education, yeah. I think, and then from there you can kind of decide where things land. Mm -hmm. As long as everyone's education is at a higher level, then it's just going to push the profession. And, and it's not even just with the general public; it's 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 the other healthcare professionals. I mean, they're let's face it: your medical doctor is a fucking education snob, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. He's he's more happy to refer you to someone who's got their master's in physiotherapy than to the massage therapist. Right. It's the way it works. What do I know? I run a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, we want to keep people listening to, so let's make sure we're not shitting on our entire profession. Yeah, that's true. Eh? No one's going to sign up for my course now. <laughs> no, everyone's going to sign up for your course because this course is awesome. I love what you do. I love the philosophy of what you got going on, how you're now with Myo Detox, your, your, your thirst for, you know, doing something more, going against the grain. I, you know, I will support that. I think that there needs to be a lot of innovation that happens with what we do. And I'm, I'm very grateful to have you come in here and, and share some of this stuff with us because I think uh, innovate or die 
is what I'm going to go with today. Innovator Dahl, that's aggressive. Beautiful. <laughs> well said. Let's call it a wrap on that. Yeah. Thing. Thank you so much for coming in today, Adam. This was really informative. And hopefully, this is going to inspire some people to think a little bit outside the box when it comes to assessment and treatment and all of that fun stuff that we do. That'd be great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Right on. You've been listening to Two Massage. Well, nah, there's three of us in this room. <laughs> You've been listening to Two Plus One Massage Therapist and a microphone.